It's going to be a good day. Monday we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. У мене тисяча руки, тому що я щойно побачила, як летить ракета. І я почула це. Welcome back to Ukraine SITREP. We have one of our most uh, knowledgeable analysts from France on the intelligence situation in Ukraine, Thierry Laurent. Thanks for coming on, Thierry. Thank you very much for having me on your show, uh, Todd. It's always a great pleasure, in fact, to speak with you and to update you on the situation. So basically, uh, we are going to discuss different matters today. Uh, we will talk about the evolution of the situation on the front line. Then, in fact, we will look at the strategy that uh, Russia has been taking and we will focus on the different political event that has been set on top of the decision that the European Union uh, tried to take in regard of this conflict. So, uh, on the first part, I would like to make a sort of uh, resume of what is happening on the front line. On a general manner, what we are observing is that after crushing the AFU, meaning the Ukrainian army, the Russian army uh, went from a position of defense to a position of attack. And uh, what we are observing on the front line is that they are using bigger and bigger weapons, more sophisticated, in the way that they will send a signal to the Western uh, government <clears throat> that has been uh, rattling the hatchet of war to make them understanding that they are very serious regarding in fact the protection of their own people so what we have been looking is an evolution of the front line of six to ten kilometer in the depth meaning that the ukrainian army has in fact withdrawn so we are going to look at each point of the front line and try to describe the situation so on the Kherson uh, <clears throat> area in the southwest of uh, Ukraine, there is a major focus on the Antonovsky Bridge. Uh, and for the AFU, this is very important because if the Russian army is able, in fact, to go on the other side of the Dnieper, that means that they will retake, in fact, the city of Kherson. And <clears throat> so this is the reason why the, uh, they are pushing uh, a lot of rotation and there is a lot of casualties uh, on the on the area of the bridge, especially on the Dacha area, which is on the right side of the uh, on the left side of the Dnieper on the Russian side. Uh, up north, about uh, eight 
uh, 120, 150 kilometers, there is the point of Krinky. And uh, the Russian army has been taking over this point, but it is a very fragile zone due to the fact that it's an open zone. So basically, there is no way that any of uh, the belligerent will be uh, will be hiding. So therefore, to keep this point uh, secure, it's uh, of a very big difficulties. So therefore, uh, the way that uh, Russia, is, uh, the Russian army, is securing this point is by using major weapons like multi-rocket uh, TOS-1 and uh, fab gliding uh, bombs. Okay, mm -hmm. on uh, <clears throat> the Zaporozhye re uh, region, uh, and especially the Rabotino and uh, Orekhov, uh, that was the hot hot point of uh, of confrontation between the two forces. Uh, we are observing that uh, the Russian army has been taking over. On the uh, Marinka point, the Russian troops are focusing on uh, Krasno, uh, Krasnogorovka, which is west, and uh, Kurahovo, uh, which is north. These points are very important because this is uh, they are um, they are crossed uh, they are crossed by the railroad. So basically, this is a way that the Ukrainian army is uh, uh, is making their rotation of troops in Adievka. And this is a very interesting point. You know that uh, the, uh, the Ukrainian troop has been kicked out of the city. Right, right. And they had, in fact, withdraw within two small villages, which is uh, Lastoshkino and uh, Severnoi. Uh, Sever they were thinking that they will be able, in fact, to settle down in the way that they will be counterparting the evolutions of the Russian army. But unfortunately, the front line has been moving so fast that they have to withdraw even further. Mm -hmm. So basically, they went to uh, the line of uh, Berdichi and uh, uh, Tonenkoye and uh, Horlovka. So there is something very interesting here. The Ukrainian force, when they have been setting up Adievka, they were thinking that this point was a stronghold impossible to take. Unfortunately, history is telling us that that was not the case. But they were supposed, in fact, to build a second line of defense about 10 kilometers from the city. And what we have been learning is that instead of focusing on building this line, they have been taking the money. They have been putting the money into their pockets and Ukrainian style. They have been saying, OK, this is uh, we are going to do the minimum because we are sure that this is not going to happen. Unfortunately, so taking the money and pocketing it is what you're saying. Yeah. This, you know, this is like a national sport in Ukraine. I know. As soon as you are, you are sending money within the the central banks or the the, the banks that are uh, that are the recipe. Uh, recep the reception of uh, all the funds moving from uh, EU and the US, you can be sure that a part of it is going to disappear to end up into Cayman Island. Right. We're seeing this on the on the Côte d'Azur, actually, because uh, Reznikov, the former minister of army, has been buying a house of 8 million euros, and he's living right now very close to uh, Monte Carlo. Hmm. So you see the money is not really lost. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, then there is uh, the story of Bakhmut and uh, Chasofya. 
Bakhmut has been taken February, March of last year. Okay. So the troop has been withdrawing to Shasofyar, and this is a very, very strong, uh, uh, strong point of defense. Right now, the Russian army is on the attack, and as soon as they are taking this uh, point of defense, the full line will be collapsing. So basically, I expect in the next two to three months, the full line, in fact, to collapse uh, completely until, in fact, the AFU will be obliged to move at uh, the um, at the border of all the oblasts that uh, Russia has been uh, taking over. Okay. Now let's look at the strategy as it is. And uh, the Antonovsky bridge could have been destroyed in the way that Russia will be separating the zone she is controlling from the Ukrainian zone. They didn't do it. There is a purpose for that. Mm -hmm. This is because they want to move. And they need, in fact, these assets in the way that they can set up their supply chain to move operation further uh, southwest. The next target is going to be, of course, Kherson. And this is a matter of months. And then after, after that, they will focus on Nikolaev. We need to understand what is really happening on the geopolitical uh, platform. The West has been lying to Vladimir Putin in regard of the Minsk agreement. Merkel and yeah. Hollande have been coming out their uh, diplomatic stunt, and this has been really, really making Vladimir Putin angry. Right now, he is considering that he needs to focus on the best interest of Russia. He do not want to deal with Western uh, governments, and he's just focusing on it on uh, his interest. So therefore, the major assets that he's focusing on is Odessa. And there is several reasons for which he won, in fact, to take over the city. The first one is a security matter, mm -hmm. because uh, if Ukrainian, they can access port, they will be systematically conduct some uh, terrorist attack from the port of Odessa to the uh, Crimean uh, Peninsula. So therefore, controlling this port is a major security issue for them. The second thing is the story of the massacre that has been perpetrated in uh, Odessa after the, the coup of Maidan, the 2nd of May, 2014, if I remember well. And this, as the victim, <coughs> the, the, the perpetrator of uh, those crimes didn't get jail, Vladimir Putin make a point, in fact, to reinstall law and order in the city. There is also... So that was where the uh, Russians were burned inside the building, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm still in contact with the lawyer that has been uh, conducting the, uh, the investigation. He's hiding right now in the Balkan because he's very scared to be murdered. There is, uh, there is also an economical reason. The port of Odessa is supporting 85% of importation exportation. As soon as you control this port, you control the economy of Ukraine. And therefore, he will put the regime of Kyiv on the knees. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that for him, this is a major point. He wants to humiliate Zelensky, and this is the reason why he is going to do it. But it's not the only reason. There is also the airport of, this, of Odessa, which has major traffic and especially for import and exportation. On the uh, 
uh, I would say, geopolitical standpoint, the history of this city is very important. It was built under the order of Yekaterina II of Russia, meaning it was a Russian city. And we should not forget that this is the Duke of Richelieu, a French citizen, that went there on the order of Yekaterina and has been building the city. So basically, through the takeover of the city, Vladimir Putin wants to humiliate Macron because the French government has been lying to him and he wants to give it back. There is also some cultural aspect, but this is uh, this is minor, so I don't want to deal about uh, to to discuss the point. Right now, <clears throat> we have a hot point that is designing. This is a Transnistria, mm -hmm. and through Odessa, Vladimir Putin would be able, in fact, to join Moldavia, Transnistria. This, this because is the region between Ukraine and Moldova, which is Transnistria, where they have twenty five hundred Russian peacekeepers to guard the ammo dumps there. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And this is a half a million population. Mm -hmm. It's major. Yeah. And on the vision of Vladimir Putin, he will never abandon his own people. So basically what is happening right now in Moldavia, which is major to understand what is going to be the next step. Uh, you know who has been taking over uh, Moldavia after President Dodon has been facing an attempt of murder uh, in the year 2018. Actually, I met him uh, three to four months before uh, the, the, the murder attempt. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Maya Sandu has been elected in a very fishy manner. She's coming from the WEF. She was mm -hmm. at the World Bank. She's LGBT because she's a lesbian. And therefore, we have suspicions that there was some fraud on the election. So we can imagine that the strategy of the WEF is appearing explicitly through this woman. Uh, she has been disconnecting the relationship with Russia. So therefore, they have major lack of energy, which is detrimental to the population. She has been cutting off also the agricultural ties with Russia, who was the biggest consumer of the product that Moldavia was producing, especially for the apples. So basically, the farmers this year, they have to destroy their record, their harvest, sorry, because they didn't have any customer. It's also and, the, wine, the wine. Moldova was the biggest wine producer for the Soviet Union back in the day. Yeah, exactly. And actually, mm -hmm. it's still the biggest producer in Europe. Mm -hmm. I have been uh, visiting uh, Castle Mimi, in which actually uh, NATO members and uh, led by, uh, by Macron has been bringing all the countries that are surrounding in the south uh, the, the central asia russia because he wants them to apply to the european union which is a nonsense on the geographic point of view as much on the geopolitical point of view and this is extremely dangerous because this is provoking russia in regard of its perimeter okay mm -hmm. so uh, in this castle actually uh, there are some caves that are absolutely gigantic with an amount of uh, a production of wine that is absolutely colossal. So basically, <clears throat> we know that NATO troops right now are moving inside of Moldavia when it shouldn't be because it's not part of the alliance. And I do believe that this is a way, in fact, for provocation. And there will be something that is going to happen in uh, Transnistria. 
So, uh, you know that uh, lately, something like a few few days ago, there was a sort of stunt, that uh, media stunt, that has been developing within the media, uh, within the, the, the internet, saying that the parliament of uh, Transistria has been meeting to ask Russia to take over and uh, to, to do whatsoever they have been doing with, uh, with Crimea. Okay? But it was not true. Nevertheless, the parliament has been meeting last uh, yesterday, sorry, yesterday, and they have been asking for Russia to help on the economical point of view because Moldavia tried, in fact, to squeeze them by increasing the level of tax of the product uh, coming inside the country. So, in my opinion, the Transnistria point is going to transform into a very hot point very, very soon. Hmm. Now, uh, in what way, Harry? In, in what way? How do you see uh, Russian troops coming up from Odessa or the troops inside Transnistria doing something? Uh, what do you think? What I believe is that there will be both. Okay. The troops will come from Odessa to consolidate the troops that are in Transnistria. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you look at the, uh, you know, that uh, the, the storage, uh, the military I mean, storage that is yeah. put up there uh, is one of the biggest of the ancient USSR. Mm -hmm. So when you have a population of a half a million people and with the amount of uh, weapons that are stored there, I do believe that if they are retaliating against Moldavia, Moldavia has absolutely no chance. Yeah. So now let's focus. Let me, on let me ask you: is, is that ammunition of value, or is it just too old to use at this point? Do you know? Well, you have gigantic amount of uh, one fifty-five shares, mm. and they are still available because what is happening on the front line in Donbas right now? This is a usage of all the ammunition that has been stored during uh, forty-five years. Yeah. And actually, that was uh, a company set up in the north of uh, Kiev that was uh, making about 1.8 million uh, shares of uh, 155 every year for the Russian army. Mm -hmm. So basically the storage are secure. They might be taking all the necessary measures, in fact, to make sure that it's preserved of humidity, moisture and whatsoever. So mm -hmm. I don't know exactly because I don't have my nose in it, but I do believe that in the volume, there might be some that are available and still operational. Yeah, okay. Now, let's focus on uh, what has been happening the last 48 hours in France, which is a gigantic mess. Macron has been uh, meeting the NATO allies uh, within a summit, and coming out of it, he has been uh, putting a, a new media stunt, because this is one of his speciality, saying that uh, all the options were on the table after having signing an agreement with Ukraine to bypass the Article 5 of NATO. That has been triggering reactions of the French representation from the Senate and the deputies, absolutely gigantic. And now he will have, in fact, to justify his action because it was illegal on the mandate point of view. So therefore, he will have to go through the parliament before, in fact, to validate this agreement. But more than that, as soon as he has been saying that he would be willing to send some troops in Ukraine, uh, 
-hmm. He has been generating a gigantic reaction from the international international community, yeah, and, and and especially in Europe because suddenly people realize that this guy want to go. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I see below, uh, behind Macron, the strings of the WEF and uh, something above, in fact, to really go and to, to push the war to a higher level, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And this would be a major problem because I have been reading the modification that Karagonov has been putting together in regard of the uh, security defense doctrine of Russia. Uh, it has been set up the 17th of, Ju uh, of June, 2023. And I do believe that uh, Russia will not hesitate a second to use some uh, tactical uh, nuclear weapon to make all those people very quiet. Mm -hmm. I have been observing on the front line that the bombs that are used, and especially the Fab uh, 1500s, uh, <clears throat> have been making a point on, uh, on this uh, dynamic point of view. He's just increasing the size of the weapon, saying, be careful, I can go even further. Yeah. So basically, yeah. uh, all those leaders that has absolutely no clue in regard of what is a real conflict, they need, in fact, to integrate this kind of statement extremely seriously. So basically, the problem that uh, we are encountering right now is that our diplomacy has been completely destroyed. And uh, in regard of the minister that has been appointed lately, uh, because the government has been shifting, most of the minister at the key point, uh, at the key uh, position of the government, they are coming from the LGBT lobby. And on the diplomatic point you know, of that, view, that's the same. I, I had a uh, source tell me he tried to get a job in the Ukrainian government. Uh, and he, well, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but a source tried to get a job in Ukraine and he went there and during the interview, they saw his ring. He's married. And they said, are you married? And he said, yes. And they said, no, we don't. We, we only take, you know, gays. I found that well, very interesting. Well, actually, I have a scoop. The mm -hmm. Minister of Foreign Affairs in France is extremely close of different ONGs, NGOs, sorry, in, uh, in English, NGOs that has been uh, interfering uh, within the coup in Kiev in 2014. Mm -hmm. So basically, in the book that I have been writing, I am exposing all those people. And uh, I am thinking about to set up a lawsuit because I do believe that uh, interfering within a government or within a nation without any mandate is completely illegal on the law point of view in France. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the way, so your book will be available soon. We'll, we'll let our audience know when it's, when it's uh, able to be bought, but uh, it's coming. Yeah, actually in France, it's a gigantic success. Mm -hmm. uh, loads of people are reading the books. I am uh, receiving phone calls, emails of people that are extremely shocked regarding what they have been discovering. Mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, actually the the former uh, former deputy uh, Jacques Sterman that has been calling me. His father used to be a, a hero of the Second World War because he was uh, he was positioned in England to fight against the Luftwaffe, and uh, he was the guy that has been uh, put, uh, shutting down thirty uh, aircraft. And uh, so Jacques is a good friend. Has so been, uh, our joint, just so our audience knows, our joint 
publishing venture with History of Books, Vindicta Publishing will be putting out the English version of your book soon, and we'll let our audience yeah. know. So yeah, and uh, actually, Jack has been uh, reading the book, and he was extremely shocked, and he told me that every deputies in France, every politician in the world need to read this book because this is opening the eyes on the real situation in this country. Yeah, yeah. Thierry, thank you. Is there anything else you want our audience to know? I think that uh, we have been uh, we have been uh, going through all the major points, and I uh, thank you very much for your time. I wish that uh, your viewer are going to appreciate all the information that I am providing, and uh, they can uh, contact me anytime through email as soon as they have been uh, buying the book. And that is uh, Ukraine, a warning to the world. So we will get that out again to our audience uh, as soon as it's available uh, via Vindicta Publishing. Uh, Thierry, thank you very much. So you think Russia is going to take Odessa and Kherson and uh, possibly more? Do you, and leave a rump of the country or what? No, they will not move further because uh, they have no interest with uh, others' uh, populations in the in the northern uh, Ukraine, and it doesn't make any sense on the geopolitical point of view. Why yeah. do you want, in fact, to move to a, a country where everybody will hate you? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Right. So basically, yeah. those who are just claiming this kind of statements, they are completely stupid, and they are just uh, raising fear within population, certainly for internal uh, politic uh, means. You see yeah. what I mean? I Actually, uh, I have an announcement to make is I am focusing on writing a new book mm. that is going to leverage the cost of the sanctions and the impact on the econ economical point of view that this conflict will have on the world. Fantastic. That's all. So you can go once again to historyofbooks.com and look for Ukraine, a warning to the world. Thierry, thank you very much for your time and we'll have you back soon. Thank you very much, Toda. Have a good day. Take care. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo.